Can I confess something? Sure, yes. I was... I was really very scared to meet you. Me? Yes, it's intimidating. You're gorgeous and talented and effortlessly beautiful. Thank you. That's very lovely of you to say. And I was terrified to meet you. <laughs> You're gonna do great here. And your connection with David, it's... You talk, you laugh. Wait, you didn't? Not really. Ours was a more physical thing. The Scotch on the Rocks. Please, any Scotch will do. As long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt. Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps. Maybe a Glengown. Any Glen. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini. Shaken, not stirred. So we are time traveling back to uh, a year ago. April 21st, 2017. All the way back to 2017. Uh, and here's here's a terrible title for our setup because it's going to sound very much like a pun, but uh, <laughs> unforgettable. I'm sure everyone's still talking about it, right? It came and... Blazed the trail at the, the box office. And went. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stat Boy Jared, uh, tell us what did Unforgettable, starring Catherine Heigl and Rosario Dawson, what did it open up to last year? Um, it, I don't know what it opened up to, but as far as the actual gross for it, it uh, grossed eleven point three million on a twelve million dollar budget. Okay, so uh, yeah, this is going to be one of those soft <laughs> mainstream releases for our premise. Uh, where here the forgotten film is a documentary called Citizen Jane, which also came out in limited. I'm sure. Uh, 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 say the full title. Uh, I don't have the full title in front of me. I'm just... It is Citizen Jane: Battle for the City. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're being quite smug there, as far as uh, the battle for the city. What are you wanting this I'm, old I'm woman not, to have I'm chains really, wrapped around her fist and? I, I think it's the warrior's title, given the subject matter. I, that, that's that's where the cynicism ends. It's just a funny title. I'll, I'll agree with you. I actually think the, the worst part of that title is Citizen Jane, in the sense that because battling for New York City is far more relevant to what you're going to see in the city or, or see in this film, because uh, almost like her, I guess her life's work was uh, <laughs> to protect sidewalks, basically. <laughs> and now I'm being a bit glib about it, but... Uh, yep. All right, you know, we'll we'll start with our forgotten film. Assuming, I'm assuming people have not seen either one of these. Uh, listening to this, I, I have no idea. But um, you can currently, as of this recording, watch Sis and Jane: The Battle for the City uh, on Hulu, uh, streaming right now. And uh, Unforgettable's not, on HBO, isn't it? Or is it? Am I mistaken? We'll go with that. I'm, I'm sure no one. On I'm sure no one will ask where they can watch Unforgettable. <laughs> I don't think they would on their own, but they're going to want a point of reference when they hear the gems we have to, to give. They're free. <laughs> we pay for these services already, so this is how we we select our films. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Jared. What did uh, Citizen Jane: The Battle for the City uh, do right. at the box office? It grossed. $305,000, and apparently they refused to give any budget numbers because I could not find them anywhere, ever. I'm, I'm going to say it's fairly small. Um, yeah, given the uh, subject. Stock you know. footage. Sure. 
I mean, it's you know, it's well assembled and all that, but yeah, this is primarily going to be a Talking Heads movie and a lot of uh, pictures of what New York City looked like then and now, and then some other cities. So, uh, I had seen Unforgettable before, and boy, did I look forward to making both of you all watch it because this is oh, a uh, thanks, Doctor Forster. <laughs> this is a a guilty pleasure <laughs> for me, um, and I'll I'll just open up. Uh, Unforgettable uh, is basically. Uh, I'm trying to think of movies we've seen like this before. Uh, maybe Single White Female is probably the most famous example. This like catfight mini genre where you have someone who one of the the uh, female characters is really obsessed and wanting to either take the other one's lifestyle or tear it down. So in this film, you have uh, Catherine Heigl, the great Catherine Heigl, um, playing the part of the obsessed one, and then Rosario Dawson, the victim. So I, I said that it's a guilty pleasure to me. I actually had this one. Uh, circled on the calendar last year and I remember making oh, wow. <laughs> no no this gets better I remember making our, our uh, mutual acquaintance Dave of Pop Culture Case Study uh, come on my show <laughs> and make him watch it opening weekend as opposed to there was some other bigger movie that came out and I insisted this was the one everyone would be talking about and he needed to see it uh, and then he spent the next half hour realizing that I was just obsessed with the idea of watching a Catherine Heigl movie on opening weekend and having him discuss it with me. <laughs> so it gets better. I actually watched this one at the Nashville Film Festival, which was oh being cut. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't want to besmirch the Nashville Film Festival. This was not featured in their program, didn't make the cut, but it was taking place at a theater, and one wing of the theater was the film festival, and the other wing was just a regular operating theater. And so they still had regular people coming in to watch regular movies. I left the film festival side to go catch the very first showing of Unforgettable Friday morning. And uh, let me tell you, it was one of the better things I saw that weekend. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. So you don't want to besmirch them, but then you go ahead and besmirch them. I'm just saying maybe they need a new program director, and I'll give the people what they want, because there were more people in that Unforgettable screening at 10 a.m. than some of the other screenings I went to. That's fine. Wow. That's fine. Uh, a lot more stuff like Sis and Jane playing at the Nashville Film Festival. So, Oh, boy. Not as titillating, unless you're into <laughs> sidewalks. All right, so my biggest uh, complaint as a guilty pleasure movie is I don't feel like Unforgettable goes far enough. Uh, I could, Yeah, I could agree with that. Uh, it definitely could have decided to... <laughs> Go over the top, and uh, probably would have Nudity, won more points. More violence, yeah. More sex? Nah, no, uh, don't really need that here. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Some sort of like you know buttoned up melodrama? What are you talking about, Josh? You're like, no, sex has no place in this world. <laughs> yeah, it had enough, and I mean, you had some weird scenes already. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to process. I'm trying to process enough sex with just seeing Rosario Dawson's butt, and that's it. Allegedly, maybe yeah. we don't know for sure. Well, and she's taking a bath, butt, not in a sex scene. I, I don't know. I, I think there, uh, yeah, definitely could have been a lot more. I think they should have mud wrestled. I think they should have uh, ripped each other's clothes off. I mean, go the whole nine yards. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be this terrible of a movie, just go ahead and embrace it. What do you there mean? was an alternate scene on the DVD. Uh, you had the DVD? The end. 
<laughs> toward, yeah, towards the end when. Oh, um, whoa, whoa. no, no, go back. When the two. <laughs> I'm taking all the blame here for being the super unforgettable fan. You own a physical copy of this? No, I don't own it. Wait, you um, went out to rent it? Uh, How did you acquire no. this? <laughs> this should be an easy answer. You are tap dancing around Shut while up. you have this. <laughs> I was just going to say. Where'd you get the DVD? There's an alternate. There's an alternate scene on the DVD, which the you end, have in your possession. <laughs> that Stoltz, during the during the cat fight, you see that he has awoken from his, uh, you know, coma or whatever he's in, <laughs> and he's uh, <coughs> videotaping the cat fight. Wait, who's videotaping? Jeff Stoltz. Who's Jeff Stoltz? Is he just a dude? Yeah, he's the dude. He's the dude who got knocked out. With <laughs> You're the... a strange man, Josh. You're just like, Jeff Stoltz, you know that guy. <laughs> that means nothing to me. <laughs> Instead of saying the knocked out guy, you say Jeff Stoltz. What was he doing? <laughs> Tom Cruise? Denzel Washington? Who the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, the guy on the floor. The Jeff the Stoltz, floor, baby. <laughs> <laughs> So, wait, he videotaped it. What are you talking about? Well, there was a cat fight going on, so he videotaped it. Are you talking about the climactic, and we're just spoiling, (laughs) unforgettable. Are you talking about the climactic scene where ultimately one of them dies? Yeah, he's like urging it on, like, yeah, get in there. You're making this up, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Willing to roll with it for as long as we're willing to try to question it. I'm trying to pin down because I thought what? I, I thought at first I was like, oh, he's he's sort of a skeevy guy that likes that this woman like that they're fighting over him. And I was like, OK, maybe that maybe that was in during one of the weird sort of sex scenes. Like maybe it was a power play. And then you went you went too far where it's like he's in a coma. He wakes up, they're stabbing each other and he just whips out a camcorder that he's got on his person. Much like you whip out this DVD of Unforgettable. They won't tell us where you got it. He refuses to say where he got it from. <laughs> just, just, just for this ruse on this made-up, deleted scene. I say a commitment to a joke like I've ever, ever seen. How how absurd it would be to be like, I didn't buy it, and it's like, where do you get a DVD now? Where do you conjure just don't up worry one? About it. Don't worry about it. I just got it. <laughs> I found it in a parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff Stoltz, you know. <laughs> this is the weirdest start we've ever had. Jared, oh. you're, you're, you're a well-known pervert. Tell us about Unforgettable, your take on it. <laughs> you've, uh, I, can't, I can't follow this. I can't follow uh, this. Five or two minutes. Like, this is impossible. <laughs> the strangest setup for a joke that ends up as funnier, just the setup itself is so absurd. <laughs> I say the commitment to it's funnier than the actual joke. <laughs> well, of course he's taping her. What are you talking about? Yeah, he woke up out of his coma. <laughs> I don't know how we continue after this. Well, a lot of people had that same thought when they saw Unforgettable on their podcast <laughs> description feed yeah. and Citizen Jane, The Battle for the City, which I'll make sure to put in all caps just for co-host Josh, just for his, his acclaim there. <laughs> I think my issue, okay, I'll, I'll try to get us back to the, the actual plot, not this made-up DVD acquisition <laughs> starring Jeff Stoltz, is uh, Catherine Heigl is maybe not unhinged enough for my liking, 
And I guess there's a revelation where she like burned someone's house down. So she's fairly unhinged. Uh, but you put in that Rosario Dawson's character is running away from, she's leaving her job and previous home to, to not only be with this guy, Jeff Stoltz, uh, I'm just taking your word for that's it. Right. That's his name. Cause I still haven't looked it up to see <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, nameless handsome, handsome dude is in unforgettable. But, um, she's, she's coming from some sort of abusive situation, like a stalker, uh, type. And I think as soon as that's introduced, I feel like this is already too muddled. Like you're, can we just not make Catherine Heigl just like someone who comes from a wealthy family, um, she's very beautiful. Uh, she has this marriage and it doesn't work out who maybe is just so used to things going exactly the way they're supposed to, as far as, you know, college job, husband, family, wealth, power, blah, blah, blah. I think that's more interesting if she just starts to crack, if that she just can't take that. But we also have to introduce Rosario Dawson as this victim of previous violence in a relationship. And somehow that gets used as part of, uh, super hacker Catherine Heigl's plot is to bring in like a deranged stalker to like do her like handiwork for her. I, I think it's just too convoluted for this type of yep. movie. Yep. I'll, I'll give it credit. That's probably one of the um, more unique angles this movie has taken. You know, I'm glad you didn't say charming. Was, That's one of the more charming um, elements of it. <laughs> no, but weaponizing somebody's previous uh, <laughs> stalker. That's uh that's kind of new, or at least to me it is. I, I can't think of seeing that in an, another film. But um, I tell you, my big problem with this movie, and maybe it's my personal bias, but you know, there's a lot of like negative tropes that a person can deal with with movies. You know, just plot holes that you kind of accept as being part of a film sometimes. But the one I absolutely hate, and it gets under my skin, and I can't get over it, is when you have turmoil in a movie that just one simple conversation if people would just sit down and have like a very clear well-spoken conversation like when someone asks you how did you happening. get the dvd right yeah right. exactly <laughs> the, just, the house of cards starts to fall down <laughs> 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 and they bark at you jeff stoltz baby you know what i'm talking about <laughs> i'll admit that's a pretty good misdirect because i also thought that was absurd <laughs> But yes, you're right. One one question from someone who's like, that doesn't sound right. So which yeah. uh, which scene in the film are you thinking of specifically? Uh, just there towards like, well, for instance, like um, once Rosario Dawson's character realized uh, she asks the little girl, like, what strange man was you talking? Like, what did you say? She's like, what strange man? She's like, right there. There's proof that <laughs> Catherine Heigl's character is off the deep end crazy. She doesn't take that to. Uh, Jeff Stoltz, um, she, she right there. She could have taken that info and say, "Look, your daughter <laughs> is telling you there was no man." As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet Catherine Heigl walked up and said, "Hey, honey, come here," and grabbed her hand. And all you gotta do is just clarify that situation, and then you know the plot's wide open at that point. You know, like, oh, your mom is being crazy, crazy, isn't she? Uh, so I, I can't stand that. I'm not saying maybe that doesn't bother everybody else, but that almost that that can ruin a movie for me where the the turmoil is so paper thin that just a simple sit down conversation could clarify everything and everybody be, would be good. What about you, Jared? When did you check out of this one? Um, <clears throat> funny enough, I was getting ready to bring up when I checked out. Um, whenever. People can't hear what's going on in their own house. That's when I checked out of the movie. 
because Catherine Heigl is a five foot nine woman, looks to be, you know, average weight. And yet this uh, hypersensitive Rosario Dawson that can hear a fart in the wind or somebody walking outside her, uh, walking outside her window, can't hear Catherine Heigl in the room next to her. Going through, her her, going through a panty drawer and picking up her wedding ring. I was like, uh, the, the whole movie hinges on her having this some sort of ninja-like ability. And then even then at the end, like Catherine Heigl can't hear Rosario Dawson carrying a 10-year-old down a set of stairs. Like, it's just, I don't know, that that, that bothered me for some reason. Yeah, that's bad too. I'm going to go back to Dawn of <laughs> Sex. Uh, I'm so disappointed in both of you for not... <laughs> For that not being the one the one point here uh, to make up for it, because I think they introduce maybe once I guess when Catherine Heigl fakes that Rosario Dawson like push her down the stairs that <clears throat> the much uh, you know the famous well regarded actor Jeff Stoltz uh, slightly <laughs> believes her because at that point it's like okay you probably could believe that because maybe uh, to Jared's point as far as the the hearing involved you could hear that there's an argument taking place that something something has put these two in a position and he's going to feel slightly to blame for it because these are both important women in his life mother of his child now his I guess you know future partner um I don't feel like they played that up enough I felt like actually uh Josh that he's almost left out of the equation too much in this like he's like even sure. when, even when the child goes missing you know under it's it's sort of set up to be rosario dawson's fault he kind of turns to his craft beer like brew boys and it's like hey you got this all right i'm gonna walk over here and i guess find my missing child <laughs> and yeah it's like yeah. even that stuff is not heightened to the point that you would think it should and it's kind of ter- putting the screws to rosario dawson well it, it it comes off even worse because he kind of goes from zero to 11 you know in terms of like oh it's good you know her mom's you know good she's she's just adapting to all this and i'm in love with you everything's gonna be fine to like all of a sudden pulling his hair like, like we can't have this this is too much <laughs> you know can't have this in my child's life stressing me out and it's like well dude maybe maybe you should have realized from the beginning that this was a sensitive situation here <laughs> and that maybe it was going to take a little bit more uh um, walking the tightrope to kind of get everybody adjusted to this situation. I, it, it's it's just full of so many holes. These, these characters don't act normal. It's just it's it's just that famous Jeff Stoltz range of acting that we all know heard about. It, <laughs> Zero or eleven, take it or leave it. <laughs> well, <laughs> and unlike Josh, most people have left it. That <laughs> Jeff Stoltz. <laughs> If you'd only seen that deleted scene, you would have seen yeah, the 11. Well, you get right on that when you can find that uh, mythical <laughs> DVD. And you uh, Let me borrow that sometime. When Death and Life comes out in the 60s, it's a clarion call. It's Martin Luther nailing those 95 theses to the, to the cathedral door. The book is really the first cogent, accessible articulation of a whole set of ideas that questions the mainstream thinking about our cities. She is constantly probing. By that example, she's saying, you, reader, you have the ability to question. Look what we have built. Low-income projects that become worse centers of delinquency, vandalism, and general social hopelessness than the slums they were supposed to replace. Middle-income housing projects 
which are truly marvels of dullness and regimentation. Sealed against any buoyancy or vitality of city life. Expressways that eviscerate great cities. This is not the rebuilding of cities. This is the sacking of cities. I didn't, I didn't really know as far as the, because a lot of these films we've been doing have some sort of, <clears throat> you know, plot relation. And going from trashy, unforgettable, uh, you know, catfight movie to a documentary about a woman trying to save what she deems to be, like, the best way to live in the city, sort of cultivating, like, a, a neighborhood culture, Citizen Jane. I don't know if there is one other than uh, Josh's point about, <laughs> you know, Jeff Stoltz going zero to 11. I guess I just uh, have to plead ignorance on this. I mean, obviously not growing up, none of us in a huge metropolitan city, uh, when these decisions are made, um, I didn't realize, like, for instance, like the terminology behind the word projects, other than just knowing like, oh, that's a bad place. That's a dangerous place, Mm -hmm. like the projects. I didn't know the origin of that. I didn't realize um, how these hideous, ugly, (laughs) sort of crime-ridden places came to be. Until this documentary serves a, mm-hmm. takes us back to zero and says, "Okay, look at what people were dealing with post-war, you know, middle of the last century, and how they were going to approach dealing with a growing city, especially something like New York, just huge. And who are the people in charge, and what were the answers they came up with? And I think the best thing I can say about the movie is that you you clearly have a villain, you clearly have uh, a hero with our citizen Jane, who's combating the techniques that they're going to use." But the best thing I can say for the movie is it actually successfully sort of takes me back to the thought process of like, mm-hmm. okay, how would we solve uh, a housing crisis, these old buildings, you know, not having enough room for people and the people that live there not having things that maybe uh, more wealthy individuals take for granted, like a park for their kids to play in, uh, you know, a space for them to socialize, blah, 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 and gives you a reason. The reason that I think you can kind of identify with uh, however, since we're watching this movie in 2018, you can see what happened after those effects. So I actually was really interested in this. I didn't think I would be because not growing up in New York, I thought maybe it'd be too specific. But uh, I found this to be something that was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's an interesting film to watch over and over, but as far as like sort of like a little history lesson, uh, I got quite a bit out of it. So um, I don't know which one of you wants to start. Um, I don't know which one's going to be more negative. I'm going to say Jared. Go ahead, Jared. <laughs> Well, I'll start out with the positive of the film. Um, It poses a lot of questions that you don't really think about. You know, as as you said, we were all kind of the uh, country bumpkin type of people. Uh, we never really lived in a metropolitan area. You ain't no man without some land. That's that was oh brother, where art thou? Was more <laughs> our take on how to handle a metropolis. That's, that's how that's that's uh, that's every other day here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you don't really even think about the scope of what um planning a city of that size goes into you know it it's a it's a tremendous amount of work that goes into it and you know i i really didn't like you said understand the projects or how they actually displaced all these people so it it brought up a lot of interesting uh questions and uh thought processes that you don't usually go through having said that uh, i was (laughs) <laughs> I was about half and half on the movie. I, I think they wasted way too much time with talking about how Jane was so absurd, like she was so in, uh, 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 whimsical and 
oh, Jane was writing a thousand words on manhole covers and like <laughs> whenever they're they're going through the uh, the expressway through the uh, the park, like yeah. I, I had to stop the movie. It's like, but where where would the banjo players play if we put this expressway <laughs> through the park? It's like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> where would the clowns juggle if we put this expressway through? I was like, come on, man. I mean, we got 90 minutes here, and you're wasting 15 of it on what we're not going to be able to do on Sunday. Like, uh... Well, it would probably be make a little more sense to you if you'd seen the deleted scene on the DVD Towards the end of the yeah, movie. Josh. <laughs> and a small city in Kentucky just goes to the local red box next to McDonald's and they have Citizen Jane, the super deluxe edition for him to bruise. Very popular movie at Stanton uh, Red Box in Clay Citizen Jane, hail. <laughs> Maybe those, maybe the, the people we grew up with, Jared, do care a little bit more about where the banjo player is going to play. Okay. Well, you got to have a banjo player. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll come in and defend this movie from the lots of simple-minded Jared, hmm. the, the evil Robert Moses who just I wants to take everybody's culture away from them. Uh, so I, again, I, like you, Mike, I I, I really kind of thought this was going to be a boring premise. I was like, I don't I don't know if this is going to hold my attention. I don't know if I'm going to care. But right away, it sets up something I'd never thought about, and that's the uh, the cultural impact of just trying to rebuild a city or trying to you know update it and and, and create a better living space for the people. Uh, the Robert Moses character, he he's one of the more villainous like real life characters I've seen like in like a documentary type of. Like most of the time you watch a movie that has been based upon real life characters and whoever the villain is has been heightened in the the movie versus what they were in real life. But this is a version where like they made a movie of this. He he really comes off the way he delivers himself and the things he says, um, kind of referring to like, hey, you got to got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. And yeah, there's going to be some people that aren't going to be happy me making them move. <laughs> you know, give but up. How would anything and, get built if these people would, were not moved <laughs> out of their homes? How yeah, would I build it has things to be done? So, I mean, it's definitely villainous in that way. But where it can be, you can almost be a little more sympathetic. Is it's like in hindsight, it's easier to see it. But I would have never thought there would have been as much of a cultural impact upon. Uh, just trying to improve places by cleaning it up and creating larger uh, living spaces and putting in parks and this and that. And it, it does seem well-intentioned for the most part. Now, I, I say that. I mean, I'm sure those guys were lining their pockets <laughs> quite well oh, yeah. uh, doing all of that. But still, yet yeah, the end result does look like something that would be beneficial to the public. And um, that's where I would actually argue with Jared about talking about Jane's past of like all the types of stuff she was writing about is that while she may not have like a um she, she may not be educated in the, the the cultural aspects of like the living city of what what creates like what's this theory of what a city should be and what what makes it thrive go ahead and say she it Josh had, I know it was on the tip of your tongue while she may be a woman there are still things we can learn from <laughs> wow <her. laughs> 
Wow. No, I was not going there. Actually, <laughs> although I the film point. does, the film does go, kind of yeah. put that out there. Well, and, and what I like about this situation is that, at least based upon what we see in this movie, <clears throat> she doesn't. She has like feminist principles without. She doesn't hang her hat on that. She she's not coming out there and saying you need to listen to me. I'm a woman, and my opinion matters too. She's saying, "Hey, I know what I'm talking about." She's saying she's I, a neighbor. I, I, basically, I'm someone who lives on the street right. with these people. I'm knowledgeable, and you need to hear what I have to say. And to me, that's that's what I want. You know, I want to hear somebody who knows what they're talking about talk about it, and, and not based upon you know what gender they are or what race they are, what what have you. And um, she she was very knowledgeable. She had been evaluating and, and observing uh, the life of her city, her neighbors. The you know she did take interest in zany little things like manhole covers and stuff. But <laughs> because of that, because she had paid such close attention to all that, she did have a she was really in touch with why the city life thrived the way it did. And though it looked messy and, and may not have looked visually appealing. A lot of things like like the lack of crime. Yeah, you got people just all over the place in the streets and on the sidewalks and stuff. But it's because of that that everybody feels safe. You know, there's there's no huge criminal element because everybody's kind of kind of has everybody's back. Whereas we make these big, sterile, pretty looking buildings and stuff. But then you have these alleyways and stuff that nobody ever walks down. And all of a sudden you have crime taking place because these criminals know like, I can get away with it here. So I thought it was very interesting to not only see that that there was truth to all of that, but but seeing how this woman, who again just based upon her personal experience and her personal observations, was really in tune to that, and um, and then and then took that knowledge and and then pursued you know an activist uh, position of of trying to you know change the hearts and minds of the people and, and had a lot of success. Well, I think that's you know where the the citizen part of the title comes in is. Um, you know, her, her rage, if you, and I don't think she ever comes across in her writing or, uh, what they have as far as the archival footage, she comes across as unhinged or anything. Definitely not in the <laughs> Catherine Heigl vein, but, uh, there is that sort of common man element that I like where decisions are being made about, you know, what's going to go in her neighborhood or how she's going to live by people who have no interest in ever living there. That's probably the biggest sin against the, uh, Robert Moses character is that he does feel like he knows better and these people are beneath him in some way. That sort of God's eyed view, the, the view that uh, Jared Dotson himself uh, applies to humanity. Right, Jared? It's getting way overblown. I'm not on the side of Robert <laughs> Moses. I'll have you know. from your, you know, the God's eye view you see from your gaming chairs. You're playing Sim City or something and moving people around. No, the I was going to make a Sim City comment, but you made it already. So yeah, in my gaming chair, Hiro, how's it going? Um, I, I don't know. It just, uh, I, I felt that more time could have been better spent if you would just said. Or explained in a little blurb about her, like all the credentials she really actually needs for this is to like say that she was actually living in New York in one of the small neighborhoods. I just felt like they used a lot, a lot of time. On, actually, kind uh, of agree with you there. There were a lot of people living in New York, and I mean, and they weren't making those points. That, that that's what you have to recognize is that there's there's a lot of like simple common sense truths in our world, but we a lot of us don't take the time to stop and observe them. It, You're it too stupid to get it, Jared. To us. That's what Josh is saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, 
I would say that even as a viewer of this movie, it's like, oh, she was observing stuff that I don't even stop to think about. You know, I mean, it was just. You know why? Because nobody fucking worries about manhole covers. <laughs> Man, you wrote one article on manhole covers. Never let me down. Words on manhole covers. Like, ah, get the fuck out of here. We're just going to agree to disagree on this one. I actually kind of agree with Jared, only in the sense that I did feel like. Um, it's a little bit longer movie than maybe it needs to be um, in the sense that I'll agree with that, you know, the proofs in the pudding as far as what she accomplished. And I think they could have spent more time on the bigger battles uh, as opposed to her. Um, as Jared's saying, the manhole cover thing, you know, just for the purpose of this conversation, I kind of wish they'd not included it. Cause Jared, <laughs> Jared will have he really the, hung his hat on that one. <laughs> he will have the printed off and taped to his wall <laughs> as he's like lifting weights. He's going to be looking at Citizen Jane's article on manhole covers. <laughs> <laughs> I just I saw that and I was like man there's so much other like well to me it's just it was more interesting to hear about you know the displacement and the um, the uh, uh, social discrepancies between Moses and the people that he had nothing he knew nothing about those people but I mean that's just difference in and opinion. also that the expressways never really solved anything like that no, one to, immediately yeah. <laughs> backlogged themselves once once they opened up. There's a there's a parallel to be, you know, taken too, like with not only Robert Moses, but the uh I don't know if you would call them um just architects or the, the engineers who were kind of creating the, the layouts of the city and stuff, but you know, you, you mentioned the, the God's eye view, the, the Sim City stuff. Um that again, you're talking about people who probably meant well, they thought they were making good decisions and stuff, but they're so far removed that they're not actually equipped to make the best decisions, even though they're very intelligent, they're very skilled at what they do. And that parallel can be put into so many different situations. I mean, you look at government, you look at, I mean, I'm sure we've all had jobs where it's like you have a boss who is so far removed from mm-hmm. what's actually happening with the work on the floor that they have these big ideas and plans and they try to implement them. Well, just and they, fix it. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't work because it's like you you don't know what's actually going on out here. And that's exactly what's going on here. You you have people who are well-intentioned for the most part. Again, I'm sure they're making money, but the the end result was well-intentioned. It looked like a good idea, but they're just so far removed from the the real-life scenario that they, they can't see it. And to me, that's just a very interesting concept with something as simple or as we learn, not so simple of, you know, just updating and trying to revamp a city. Cause I really would not have thought that, you know, making nicer buildings and, and uh, cleaning up neighborhoods and stuff would have <laughs> led to the, the downfall of some of these cities, like what it did, but it obviously did. Well, and it's a problem that you have to address as well, but you just, you can't go about it in the way that Robert Moses did either. Like you have to have some sort right. of sympathetic view to what these people are going through, especially if you're saying like, uh, you got to leave your home. We're going to compensate you well, but like you, somebody Robert Moses's status probably didn't have to like pick up their kids and move or like, you know, move right. out every bit of furniture. Like, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, you're probably thinking probably the best answer was somewhere in the middle of like, Hey, we're going to take these buildings that, that are ran down. We're going to, uh, um, what's the simple word I can't think of right now. Uh, not remodel, but you know, we're going to gentrification is what you're talking about. (laughs) No, that is not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, wait, (laughs) 
you're, you're going you're, you're, you're just going to renew them you know you're, you're going to uh, yep. redo the insides make them not so, like, you're not going to break them all the way down and start from scratch but just shut up mike i'm trying to spill the air sounds, the way you can't sounds like in. gentrification but, so far we're no. going to renew this community oh i'm i'm simply we're talking about the buildings better coffee more expensive toast <laughs> No, that be, I mean that is the problem. Is that they did do that? That's actually what they did. Versus allowing them to keep their culture. You know, they're they're like roadside markets and stuff, and the neighborhoods where everybody knew one another, and they were. It was kind of like a a living organism. You know, the whole city. You know, working together like that. And again, I think it sterilized it too much doing what they did. And there there probably probably ways to you know try to improve the living conditions without just redoing everything you know from scratch yeah kind of like uh introducing rosario dawson into that relationship <laughs> how dare she she's just gonna toss out that entire family what they've built up yep with her alleged butt cheeks on screen and her super hearing <laughs> according to jared <laughs> Well, I mean, she was very hypersensitive about some things, and then others. Uh, I tell you, when I was so watching much. Unforgettable, that thought never entered my mind. Is like she's got super hearing. The senses are amazing. Of this, <laughs> I was thinking well, more I about mean, that she's she... being stalked by madman. Now she's got mad woman trying to like tear her down, and Jared's like, I, t- I tell you what, that daredevil sensibility she's got. Why is it on again? Why well, is it off? I don't understand. Well, you can go from hearing a door open with absolutely no no indication whatsoever, but you have Catherine Heigl walking through the house and she she's unable to hear that. Like, she could, she could hear the banjos playing, Jared. That's why. Oh, you got to make a space for the banjo players. <laughs> you got to have a sanction. You got to have a permit. <laughs> well, where would they play, Jared? In the street, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's the go, point, Jared. Go, they were getting rid of the streets. The street. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have streets, man. Where's the clowns going to go? <laughs> uh, only in Jared's <laughs> skewed mind was there a project full of just clowns and banjo players. <laughs> you have nowhere to go. Honk, honk. <laughs> the most dangerous tower block <laughs> was the one with banjo players and clowns. And you know what? I'm not going to disagree if someone told me that was just the yeah. only residence there. Go to the banjo and clown project after uh, after dark and see how it goes. <laughs> so we we kind of have an interesting matchup here as far as both films. <laughs> Basically, uh, I guess punishing uh, people for uh, having short memories as far as uh, what their actions are going to have. One is meant to be a uh, I don't know Z list <laughs> thriller at most, and the other one's meant to be educational. So they're pretty extreme. Um, I think I know where Josh is going to go. Jared, I have no idea where you're going to, f- which side you're going to fall on with this. Hmm. Well, uh, pros for unforgettable. Um, I will say butt that cheeks. Catherine Heigl, <laughs> butt cheeks one, number two, uh, Catherine Heigl, um, probably perfectly cast because she is so easily hateable. Hey, what's your mind? opinion? She's got some care. good ideas. She just. <laughs> No one will listen to her is basically what what's happening. She is, dare I say it, the modern fictional version of Jane Jacobs. No one is listening, and everyone will pay. That's, that's pitiful. I, I can't make that comparison. Uh, I'm going to fall on the side of Citizen Jane. Uh, 
not for the sake that I love Citizen Jane so much, but it had such a poor opponent that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with Citizen Jane. All right, Josh, you like Citizen Jane more. Which one of these would you watch again? How about that? Mm, let's see. Because that was my thinking. I wondered if Citizen Jane as a movie had any rewatchability. Once I had that information, <clears throat> maybe I, I would want to read more about it, but I don't know Citizen if I'd watch Jane, it. Uh, I might would watch Citizen Jane one more time just to pick up on maybe some of the stuff that I kind of uh, missed the first time through. But, I mean, no, it doesn't really have rewatchability. So, I, yeah, you know what? I'd probably watch uh, Unfor- Unforgettable again. <laughs> I'm going to go with Unforgettable, too. You're stupid, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> You're stupid, Jared. It's much more thought-provoking. Unforgettable? Yeah. I mean, I think that you brought up some good points that make me want to go back and uh, watch some some sequences again to to pick up on what Rosario Dawson missed with her her super hearing. I will never pick first again. How about that? Because this is blatantly a we're going to go against Jared. Very uh, very blatantly. We've decided uh, at Sober Cinema that there uh, is no more room for Jareds on the streets. <laughs> that they must oh. be exiled from this podcast in this city. Can't just have them walking around juggling skittles just anywhere. Mm-mm. Nope. However, in the perfect city, there will be uh, <laughs> DVDs freely available of Unforgettable <laughs> and Citizen Jane, <laughs> so that any citizen <laughs> can, can have access to. What was that actor's name again, Josh? One more time. Jeff Stoltz. See, I was already going to call him Chad Stoltz. <laughs> That's how much I think no, about him. It's not a Chad. Yeah, he's Jeff with the G. He's a great man, and um, you can currently see him on, according to Wikipedia, Grace and Frankie. Is that where you watch him, Josh? No, John. Josh is tapped out for the uh, afternoon. For anybody, you know, this is very visual. But me and Mike are being subjected to Citizen Jane close-ups and freeze frames, and listen to him giggle. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, I'm glad he's taking the opposite approach, that he's looking up pictures of Jane Jacobs uh, with yeah, her various deeds, Rosario. I guess. Yeah, no Rosario <laughs> Dawson, no Catherine Hoggle here, just Jane Jacobs in uh, all her titillating glory. I should, I should work on this. <laughs> I'm actually going to end it there with that creepy, I should, I should work <laughs> on this. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengow, any Glen. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? I love Citizen Jane. I love it to death. Many questions. We're gonna go with unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> What are you, gay? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>